0: Welcome to the Bridgen Theology Podcast, which connects scholarship to Christian life. Bridgen Theology is hosted by Drs. Beth Stovell, Claudia Herrera Montero, Kevin Hill, Ryan Reed, and me, Candace Smith. Now here is Claudia.
1: Thanks, Candace, and thank you for listening. I am Claudia Herrera, and I'm Beth Stovell.
2: Our goal today is to introduce you to the hosts of the new Bridging Theology podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: So, Claudia, let's begin with a little icebreaker question. Tell us one interesting thing about yourself most people wouldn't know.
1: Uh, I remember that when I was writing dissertation, um, it was so overwhelming at some point that we decided as a family to do movie night and to establish movie night on Friday nights. And we loved it because we saved that sacred space to stop everything we were doing and just have a movie night with pizza and popcorn and enjoy as a family. And even until these days we do it, even if I finish dissertation, every time it's like we have movie night. So we love doing it. What about you, Beth? Um, yeah. Uh, so some people
2: know this who know me well, but most people don't know. And um, I actually used to take dance lessons and I used to be a dancer. Like I didn't compete a lot, but I, I had a, I actually had a dance partner all throughout university. And so I, 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 used to dance, let's see, Lindy Hop. Um, I do merengue and salsa. Um, I do all different kinds of swing dancing. I even used to do the things where they like, th- I do aerials where they throw you up in the air. And I used to be able to do those things. And so I think there's a video somewhere of me being thrown into the air <laughs> from my university <laughs> days. Um, and I still dance anywhere I am. Um, I, you know, grocery store. I think I danced in a bookstore one time. Um, it's just, yeah, part of who I am and Um, What about you, Ryan? What's something about you that most people don't know?
3: I think maybe one thing is just my um, background uh, related to our podcast on theology. Um, I come from a long line of uh, pastors, theologians. My uh, great-grandfather was a lay minister uh, in the uh, Salvation Army, and my uh, grandfather was a pastor, and my dad is a pastor to this day. So, Uh, have kind of that long history uh, with theology. So, Kevin, what's something about yourself?
4: So, I asked my kids this, and they said, the eye thing. And I asked, what do you mean by the eye thing? And then it clicked. Oh, yeah, I remember what they're talking about. So, um, a few months ago, I was playing with my dog, and I bent down to pick up his toy that he's playing with, and he ran full speed and hit me right in the eye, head first. Ow! And... For two weeks, I had my first black eye caused by my dog.
2: Yeah, I, I think I actually had a meeting with you while you had a black eye. It was... <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> I got a lot of questions about that. Are you okay? Everything okay at home? Yes, it was just my dog. How about you, Candace?
0: Wow, mine's not as interesting, but I'm like the DIY queen. Um, I love crafting. I love designing and making things. Um, so, kind of like Claudia, it's my creative outlet. Um, I like to do pottery um, as well as painting, different things like that.
1: Wow, that sounds wonderful. And I'm a witness to that. I've seen such a wonderful uh, uh, art from Candace when we were working together in ministry.
2: So, let's move on and talk a little bit about how we came to do theology. Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about what we research and why we love it. And so, I'm going to start with Claudia. Tell us a little bit about your journey into theology and why you love what you research.
1: Well, I am from Bogota, Colombia, and my undergraduate degrees are in political science and international relations. And uh, I was always involved, though, in faith-based university groups, in social justices and service to the community. So when I came to the United States uh, with my family I was called to be formed and serve in pastoral ministry, uh, particularly campus ministry in a Catholic Hispanic institution uh, of higher education. At the same time, as an immigrant Latina, um, I learned to be the other and meet the uniqueness of the lived experiences and the social context and faith tradition of the other, particularly my very own students' So the lived experiences along with the pastoral ministry experience um, with my students, among my students, uh, moved me to pursue doctoral studies in practical theology and to answer and to uh, ask critical questions about what does it mean to be human? Uh, What does it mean to be a first or second generation Uh, Latinx student or student of color in the United States. Uh, That was the main reason, but I just needed to study theology in order to be able to answer those critical questions. So this experience along with my pastoral ministry experience allowed me to study theology. and That's why my work uh, centers around participatory action research on the lived experience, social context, and, Spirituality of college-age Latinas. Actually, my doctoral dissertation it's understanding contemporary practical Latino theology through the lenses of college-age Latinas in their twenties. And that work moved me to listen to underrepresented communities in South Florida and as well as in in the United States. So I love about my research because, it, first of all, it's very personal to me, and also it departs from my own experience. Uh, and therefore centers again on the lived experiences. The lived experiences of the people are the locus theologicos, are the, are the point of departure to do, to do theology in, in, in the, in the, in the academy, in the church in the
2: classroom. I love Claudia how personal it is to you and how your own journey um through as an immigrant and in that experiencing the other really gave you like a heart to to learn about what are the, what are the experiences for other young women other latina women and their and their how how this is framed in their theology. Like, I love that there's a reciprocal aspect to your research um, that's from who you are to others, but also to hear from others, to learn from them, which I think is is how participatory action research
1: works, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because it actually look at the people as, as active agents uh, instead of just objects of learning or objects of research. Uh, It looks at the people as active agents. It has a sense of agency in the academy, in the church, in the society. So, yeah, thank you, Beth. Uh, Candice, how about you? Tell us a little bit more about your journey. So my journey um,
0: was a little bit different. It kind of took me a little bit by surprise. Um, So initially my undergraduate degrees um, in psychology and, um, elementary education. So I was set on, I'm going to be an elementary school teacher. That's what I'm going to do. I switched it from, um, wanting to be a science teacher or a Spanish teacher originally. Um, but then I just, it was like I had this call experience. I don't know. I mean, Beth, I know you're familiar with the call and the Pentecostal, um, tradition, but, Um, I just, I really felt like as God was calling me to ministry, like the preaching ministry, I wanted to make sure that I was equipped. Um, And so I went for um, my MDiv. And while I was there, my professors really were talking to me about pursuing, like maybe you really should go further and pursue um, theological studies, like advanced theological studies. And I wrestled between, if I wanted to do New Testament studies, Or if um, I wanted to do something different and practical theology went out for me because it was just the way to be able to bridge the gap um, between my degree in psych um, as well as the study of religion. And so I love the social sciences. It's always been a big part of my heart. And it was kind of like the perfect balance. Um, And much of my research centers around um, black women, Pentecostal black women, um, Specifically, my dissertation was on that um, Pentecostal black women in formal theological education. So just kind of examining the experiences of these women, um, what brought them their journeys to bring them there to study, but also how um, they want to faithfully live out. And I think that it's just like Claudia, it's very personal. Um, to me, I I do see my spirituality or or my academic research is kind of like an extension of my spirituality. Um, And so like I love focusing on issues of embodiment and identity um, and how that impacts our spiritual, but also our civic engagement. So what about you, Ryan?
3: For me, yeah, I guess for all of us so far, it's been a surprise. Like, I wanted to be an architect my whole life. Um, I probably watched too many rom-coms or something like that growing up (laughs) or something. But I I was always into art and it seemed like the practical way to make a living as an artist was to be an architect. I think it's a hard road in some ways. but um, So that was my goal. I, I was dad set on that and then in my senior year of high school I took a uh, college my church offered these dist, like a they we flew in a, a college professor and he offered this class on early church history and it was the best class I'd ever taken um, I just loved it so much and I just remember we talked about docetism and gnosticism and all this stuff and I just thought it was I was just thought that was the world to me and I just wanted to keep Doing that, I wanted to keep thinking about that. So I, um, I, yeah, I applied to Moody Bible Institute. I knew that they had um, at the time. I think they still do. They, they, it's tuition paid. Like if you get in, it's just room and board. And and uh, and I got in. And uh, and uh, I, I, I was I was concurrently working on my architecture um, portfolio, and I just never submitted that um, to the the university I was going to apply to. And then I just kept going with it. I wrote on my college application that I wanted to be a theology professor. I was really sold on that. And so I've kind of been pursuing that path ever since. Um, My um, research um, is in the uh, Reformation Studies. I wrote on John Calvin. And I wrote on happiness and flourishing in John Calvin. And... um, I wrote on that. I guess everyone here is going to, this will bring out the knives, but I think that happiness is the most important topic. I mean, God and happiness, I guess bringing those together is that a person could think about. And uh, so, that's why I wanted to do that. Initially, I wanted to do it, I think I mentioned this to you, Beth, on death in Calvin, because I was kind of in a dark space when I was starting my (laughs) research. And my mother was like, that's a terrible idea and i and i I, and she was right and and i thought what if i went i knew there's this deep christian tradition of thinking about happiness i thought you know i wonder if that's there in calvin because i was interested in calvin and uh and it was and so that was that's kind of what led me to that so i've and i'm still very passionate about that i do still think that um maybe one of the most important questions a person can ask is what is the good life and how do I live it? And, um, so, and that's, um, what I want to keep researching and thinking about, um, as long as God enables me to. So,
4: um, yeah, Kevin, what about you? Yeah. Like some of you, my journey into theology was a surprise. I had been doing my first year of commerce at a university and I decided, Since I was a new Christian, I wanted to take a year off to study the Bible and Scripture just for my own sake, and then I'd return. At least that was my plan. Mm -hmm. But I remember taking an Introduction to Theology class, and as a class, we read Athanasius' work on the Incarnation of the Word. And somewhere along the way, that book just sunk its teeth into me. I ended up going out of the Commerce degree and into this Theology program, and I just kept going, Many years later, I actually write on Athanasius and the early church, and I do so because I love this period. I think that there's just a richness. It's, it's colorful and vibrant in terms of who God is and what God's doing.
2: Hey, Kevin, I don't, I, I don't know if you know this. I don't think I've said this to you before, but actually, Athanasius on the Incarnation is actually part of the love story between me and my husband. So, um, so my husband, John, is a systematic theologian, and, um, I'm a biblical studies person, as y'all know. Um, and I was taking a, my first like full fledged theology class. And I was talking about how do we think about the incarnation for the class. And I just started dating John and he was like, you got to read Athanasius. And so we read Athanasius together and like took notes together and he talked to me about it. And I was like, wow, this guy's awesome. Both Athanasius and John. (laughs) And so, um, so uh, so yeah, so I, I sometimes like, I sometimes, sometimes jokingly say Athanasius is, you know, kind of helped me fall in love with my husband. So... (laughs) Anyways, so I appreciate with you, Athanasius, and on the incarnation.
4: <laughs> That's an amazing story. And he's kind of like the bond of love between you.
2: Yes, exactly.
4: Okay. <laughs> um, well, I'm really curious now, Beth, to hear what was your journey into theology and what do you love about your research?
2: Yeah. So, um, I mean, my story, it sounds like a lot of us actually were surprised to end up in theology. Um, I, coming out of high school, thought I was going to be a pediatric neurosurgeon, and I was wanted to be the top pediatric neurosurgeon in Austin, Texas. That was like my plan. Um, and so I was doing pre-med, um, and along the way in my university years, I um, I realized that God had different call in my life, but I didn't know what it was yet. I just knew it wasn't to be a doctor at that kind of doctor. And so I decided to do this degree that was a mixture of classics where I was studying, um, Greco-Roman history and Greek and Latin. And also I did a degree in English, but people would ask me at the end, like, well, what are you going to do with this? And I'm like, I'm going to sell fries. I have no idea. Um, and so i I uh, I was really praying about what's my next step, um, not really knowing what I'd do, and I as I graduated early. I was uh, encouraged to go and teach. And I had told God I will never teach. I would rather eat bugs in another part of the world. I will not be a teacher because that would make me the third generation teacher in my family. And I had a very strong aversion to this. So God had to say, no, you're going to teach if you want to be obedient. So I ended up teaching high school and junior high for a while and I loved it. I actually loved teaching. And I found out I passionately loved to teach. Um, But I really wanted to teach seminaries kind of what i imagined even though i'd never been to one um so i ended up in a seminary as my next step. And uh, God, through various circumstances, led me to move to another country, to Canada, which was a huge choice for me. I'd never lived more than 20 minutes away from my parents, and then moved to another country where I knew no one. Uh, So I went to Regent College, and even there, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. So I studied English and spiritual theology. And at the very end of my program, I was almost done. I was one chapter away of my thesis from graduating, had taken all my courses in English and spiritual theology. And my new Testament professor sees me in the hallway and he stops me and he says, I want to talk to you. And I was like, okay. So I went to his office and he said, I think you should be a biblical scholar. I think the Spirit says that you should be a biblical scholar. And I was like, does the Spirit know that I have a totally different degree that I'm almost done with? Like, does the Holy Spirit know that? And um, apparently the Holy Spirit did. (laughs) And so, um, but uh, I, uh, at the time I had just met John and was dating my husband, John, um, and uh, we were just married. So I was a little nervous. Should I go into this field of biblical studies And part of the anxiety was I came out of a tradition where women don't teach the Bible. Um, And there isn't that women are not allowed to teach the Bible, that that's not a thing that women are supposed to do, that it's ungodly to do that. And so I had this pretty strong struggle between the calling I felt from the Holy Spirit and the encouragement I was being given from, you know, a scholar who I respected um, and the tradition I'd come from and what it would mean to walk away or at least question that tradition. Um, and so, uh, so I made the decision to do it and I had the wonderful professor Rick Watts, who not only was the one who said the spirit says you're a biblical scholar, but also was willing to mentor me in through those first months of being very, very scared, um, of what this meant. And, um, And, yeah, and so ultimately met my husband, and we went on to do PhDs in biblical studies. And now I love this, um, this wonderful work. Um, And amidst all of that, I also had a professor, Maxine Hancock, who helped me to understand that a professor was someone who did teaching and research. I didn't even know that that was the case. And so she was the one who called out and said, you should be a professor. Um, And so it's been really Powerful to come to where I am now. Um, I didn't have any scope of imagination for this at all. Like I didn't grow up with even the ability to imagine that I could do this job um, or this work. And so it's that's been that's been kind of powerful for me in my own journey to get here. And then in terms of my research, um, I work in biblical metaphor. Um, So I work in the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament and how metaphor helps to connect that. Um, And I love it in part because I love the movement between the Old Testament and the New Testament, how the story of the Bible builds. um, And I love to follow how these metaphors, especially the metaphors for Jesus or the metaphors for the Holy Spirit or the metaphors for the Father, how they build and change over time in, and how they give us this rich understanding of who God is and what God wants to do in the world. And um, and that we can trace that that growth in culture to culture to culture as God speaks again and again in fresh ways, but consistent with who God is from the beginning. And I, I, love, I love that part of the work that I do. All right. We've had a lot of uh, fun answering those questions, but now we're going to have fun, short, quick questions, a nice lightning round. So um, so we're going to start with this. With the exception of me and Kevin, we all live in different cities all over the U.S. and Canada. Um, and so can each of you tell me what's one thing you love about where you live? So I'll start. I love that I'm right next to the mountains and we can go hiking. Uh, we hike in camp every summer for fun. So that's mine. So uh, Candice, what about you?
0: So I just moved to Dallas area um, in Texas. So I'm still learning um, and trying to find the things that I like. But right now I like that I do get to have all the seasons now. So mm-hmm. I get to experience all of them.
2: Woohoo! That's awesome. I, I, I appreciate that. What about you, Claudia?
1: I actually live in South Florida, but I live in a place that it's west of Broward County, a very close to the Everglades. So the sunsets are magnificent. Uh, it's kind of, pr- it's a prayer to me. So I love, one of my favorite moments is just go out and and see how the sun sets and see the beautiful colors of the sky. And that's a prayer to me. How about you, Ryan?
3: Yeah. Um. So I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which I think is very famous for the Amish. And I think that that's kind of relates to what I like about this area is it's um, still kind of a lot of farming and pastoral, but there's actually, I think with all the tourism, there's a lot of things to do and there's like uh, restaurants and things like that. So it's kind of a nice mix of uh, urban and rural. And uh, uh, I love that. We live, my wife and I, we live on uh, like a farmland. Like we, we back onto a farm, but then we live about 10 minutes from, I don't know, lots of city things too. So it's a really nice mix. So that's what we like.
4: Yeah, uh, Kevin? I'm going to steal a little bit from Beth and a little bit from you, Ryan. Here in Calgary, if you just hop in your vehicle, it takes you about 10 or 15 minutes to get two completely different views depending on which way you're driving. If you drive south, you get these beautiful prairies like farmland. Um, so you see the yellow fields and the huge blue sky. So very much like what you described, but there's also in the other direction, there's the rugged green forests and the the gray mountains. So I find uh, driving in either of those ways kind of helps reset me and, and put me in a better frame of mind.
1: Wow. That kind of connects with my experience, uh, Kevin. Uh, it's just, it reframes us. It put us in a, in a different set of mind, a reflection. I, I, I love uh, what you're describing. can, now let's move to, to this, uh, to this question. Can each of you tell me what is your favorite movie uh, or your favorite film? And I will start. <clears throat> There's so many movies. My daughter wants to study film and, and, and TV production. And that's why we are fascinated with film. And so, but at this very moment, I love Encanto. Encanto is a new movie from Disney and it's, takes me back to my culture, to where I'm coming from, to Colombia. Uh, but not just in one culture. It's just all the beauty of all the amazing experiences and cultures and food and sayings, dichos that we have in our country. So I love that movie. And I've watched it like three times. And every time I watch it, I cry. <laughs> so I love that movie. Uh, how about you, Candace?
0: Yes, I love that movie too, Claudia. Um, it made me think about you and just our conversations um, watching it. But my favorite movie, like, I guess, hands down, all time favorite, which was so hard to pick, is The Matrix. Um, one, I love Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I just love him. But also, I just like all the different themes. So, like, w- when I watch movies... I usually like have conversations with God about different movies. Um, I guess that's the practical theology in me. But every time I watch it, I get something else like a new revelation. So um, I really like it. What about you, (laughs) Um, Beth? Oh, this is so hard. Because
2: there's days when it's Sense and Sensibility, the version that's directed by Aang. um, And it's just beautiful and quiet and lovely in this really powerful way. And it it does this beautiful job of picturing family relationships. But there's other days when it's like Shaun of the Dead and it's like a romantic comedy with zombies. Um, and so, and and then I think, but I think the one I actually have to say is um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I think I'm cheating because it's three movies, but um, I could watch that over and over and over again and probably have watched. I don't even know how many times I've watched those movies. I just adore them. So, um, yeah. So um, what about you, Ryan?
3: Yeah, I'm, I. Swear, it seems like we all struggle with this question. I, I, I agree with you, Beth. Maybe that is my favorite, like just by watch number and what I enjoy the most, The Lord of the Rings. My wife and I watched that three times, all three of them, all, uh, during the pandemic. Like, so, whatever many hours of film that is, like, we just we like we'll literally watch it one time through, and then we would start all over again. Um, and beyond that, I think I really like. Uh, It's, it's, I don't know if it's like very sophisticated, but I love Jurassic Park. I think that's it. I think one of our hosts, um, uh, the guests that we've had on the podcast love that too. But yeah, it's just, that's an incredible movie, I think. so.
2: We got to watch that in the film, in the theaters with our kids. And it was so fun to watch their feet, like jump up when there's like, there's scenes where you you like, I remember doing that in the theater when I was a kid. And then watching my kids have that same response. So fun. So What about you, Kevin?
4: Well, now I don't know what to say. I guess I've got to admit I've got the same favorite as Ryan. I usually don't rewatch movies, but I love Jurassic Park. And there's one scene in particular that just really sticks out. I really love when the paleontologists who've studied dinosaurs for their whole careers see one in the flesh for the first time. I just think that's such a wonderful analogy for the life of a theologian in the life to come. Um, So, and I also love the music. I mean, who doesn't?
2: <laughs> I love that you made that theological. Like, I don't. I never thought of it as theological. That's so great.
4: <laughs> I'm usually a very shallow movie watcher, so that's like the one exception. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the vision of God or something. It's like an analogy for Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly what it is. It's a theophany.
2: Uh, Fuck. Brontosaurus as a vision of God. I love it. Um, So uh, can each of you tell me if you could take an all-expense-paid trip somewhere without worrying about pandemics and whatnot, uh, where would you go? Um, So for me, I realized I I didn't think ahead (laughs) about the answer to this question. Um, Probably the one place that I planned on going and I haven't gotten a chance to go to is Seoul, Korea. Um, so I am, I'm someone who adores, uh, Korean food, Korean culture. Uh, I haven't started learning Korean and I watch a lot of Korean dramas and listen to Korean music. And so, um, I've wanted to go to Seoul for a really long time. And we actually planned, I think three or four years ago to go to the international, uh, trip that got, um, that just didn't work out. And then since then we haven't been able to go. So that's probably where I would say, um, what about you, Candace?
0: So I'm torn on this question. Um, I really want to go to South Africa um, because I've been to West Africa and I just want to kind of see the differences. And there's several places um, that I want to visit in South Africa. But because it's so cold right now, and I'm not used to the cold any- anymore, I would love to go somewhere warm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> currently, <laughs> so anywhere in the Caribbean <laughs> right about now would be great. <laughs> <laughs> that's Amazing! What's the
4: temperature there right now? If you're, you're I'm just curious.
0: Um, it's twenty. Oh, that's yeah. actually really cold. Yeah, now. wow. Yeah. They shut down. Um, They shut down a Chick-fil-A today, Um, but they shut down like everything. The city is, the darts not running or anything. So, yeah. I just love the sentence. They shut down a Chick-fil-A.
2: Yes. I was so, so sad (laughs) this morning.
3: It's not Sunday, like kind of thing. Like, yeah.
1: yeah.
2: (laughs) What about you, Claudia? Where would you go?
1: I'm like, you guys, I didn't think about that question. And then I, I'm i in between different places. I, one of the places that I, when I was in college, I had the opportunity to do an internship in Mexico City. <clears throat> and the first place that I visit, visited was the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And it was very powerful to me. Like, as a point of departure of my own story, I didn't even imagine when I was there that I was going to be a theologian, that I was going to write about Guadalupe, that I was going to write about Mary, uh, Latinas uh, in the academy, in the church, practical theology. So I really would love to go back as a theologian. You know, we are our whole body, like even if we're on vacations, we are, it's embodiment. So I would love to go as as a theologian and at the same time as who I am, go back and visit that same place that I visited. Uh, I would say 17 years so ago when I was expecting my daughter Mariana in my womb, and 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 I was I would love to go back with her and with my husband and be there and 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 just be still and be there. Hmm. Um, yeah, so that's the place. That's awesome, Claudia.
2: What about you, Ryan?
3: Yeah, um, I, I, I we're all torn. Um, I would there's a lot of places I'd love to go. I would go to Norway is where I would go. Um, I have kind of I guess like my lineage that I was mentioning before. My um, my paternal grandfather was from Norway and he was such a proud Norwegian. <laughs> he would always talk about Norway and he just drilled it into us. And I think it would be very beautiful too. And so it's just, it's something I've always wanted to do is go to Norway. So that's where we go.
4: Yeah.
2: Awesome. What about you, Kevin?
4: So I'm torn. It would either be Istanbul to see Hagia Sophia or I would love to go and see Alexandria and Cairo in Egypt. So I think I'd let my wife decide. Either of those would be fantastic.
2: That's so cool. You know, every time I hear Istanbul, I hear the song, Istanbul. Constantinople. I don't know why that's like, that, I, I know it's a place and I shouldn't just have a theme music for it, but somehow that's what I think of. <laughs> But I know it's beautiful. So
4: more cities could use a theme song.
2: Okay. Yeah. We could we could write theme songs. It could be part of the podcast. What do you guys think?
4: As long as you're singing them, it's all
2: good. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> and you can do some dancing for it too, right? I could. Beth?
2: I could no one can see it because it's on the podcast. But you know, I'll I'll be happy to dance in my booth here. So <laughs>
4: Kevin, do you think that's
3: like your interest in that has to do with your work as like an early church historian? The
4: cities, Yeah, for me, so Hagia Sophia would be almost like a pilgrimage because um, I, I had a very powerful experience in the Vatican years ago and I think I would have something similar there. Um, and Alexandria would be, as for because that's where Origen and Athanasius are from, and then Cairo's right there. I'd love to see the pyramids because who wouldn't? Yeah,
1: cool. Wow, what you're saying, Kevin, just reminds me that When I thought about Jesus, teaching about Jesus made me realize that I don't just want to go to Holy Land as a pilgrimage, but I really want to go to Nazareth, you know, like to that little town of his mother, you know? So that takes me to the next question. Uh, I would love to hear from each one of you. If you could have coffee or tea with any historical, biblical, theological figure, who would you choose? And I will start. <laughs> <laughs> I will have coffee with Ada Maria Isasirias. She has been my conversational partner in theology since the beginning. Uh, she's no longer with us here, you know. Uh, uh, but, uh, but I would love to have coffee with her. But also, I would love to have coffee with Mary of Nazareth, the mother of Jesus, the mother of God. How about you, Candice? So... Um, Again, I had a hard time, <laughs>
0: but if I could have coffee with anybody, it would be Queen Candace um, in the Bible, in the Book of Acts. Um, I've just been doing a lot of like research with my um, my family, um, just tracing my roots and like naming is important. <laughs> and so, I just would like to kind of hear a little bit about just. Her life experiences, I know that Candace was the equivalent of um, like the Pharaoh title. So it's a dynasty of those women, but I would just love to hear more about their stories. Um, And then also the other person would be my third great grandmother. Um, So I've kind of, I guess, hit a wall with my research there. So just to be able to have a conversation and to learn more um, about her parents um, so I can continue <laughs> my research. What yeah. about you, Beth?
2: You know, it's interesting that made. My initial answer was going to be Julianne M. Norwich. Um, she is somebody I love. She she actually brought me from a pretty dark place in my university years um, where I kind of was walking away from God to some degree. I was in a really deep space of kind of asking, where is God when people hurt? Like, where is God in suffering? And um, and I was in a class on uh, feminist writing um, and we read Julian's work and she just brought me back to a space where I was like, Oh, I can hear God again. Um, and so she is definitely somebody that I would love to sit down and have a conversation with pet her cat, you know, um, just talk to her about her experience with God and her visions. Um, but the other person that you, what you brought to mind, Candace was, um, my, um, my dad's mother died when he was really little and I have always wanted to know her. Um, I have, I look a lot like her. That's actually, I don't really look as much like my parents. I look like her. And, um, and she, uh, she, her family was from Israel and she has like this whole experience and life that I don't know anything about. Um, And so sometimes I just think it would be beautiful to just get to sit down and chat with her and have a coffee or a tea together and hear, hear more about her life. So, what about you, Ryan?
3: Yeah, so, I thought about this and I don't know, I feel like this. there was no exception clause here, but I feel like maybe I'm taking the exception. Honestly, I would like to meet with Jesus <laughs> if that's allowed, yeah. if we're allowed to say that. Um, I think, oh, I'm teaching this class on Jesus Christ um, at my church and I'm just really you know, I mean, he's our savior and I would like to, you know, who, who else would I like to be with? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if, if I'm allowed to say that, I, I don't know. It's like the Sunday school answer, but that's- I
2: mean, a, he's a pretty biblical theological figure.
3: Yeah. yeah it's kind of like, yeah, it kind of seems important. If I, if that's not allowed, I would probably choose, Um, again, this is going to be Very cliche, maybe, but probably the Apostle Paul. I I think sometimes our our our, um, faith, at least the faith I've grown up around, is maybe overly Pauline, but like he still has shaped you know the majority of the New Testament and 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 um and, and I, there's so many passages that i would love to just what did you mean by this and like why you know like what was that what were we supposed to get out of this how do you read these old testament texts like there i would have so many questions that i'd love to ask uh, him so that those are two figures i'd be interested to meet with um yeah kevin who would
4: you want to meet with well i guess now I- <laughs> I don't know how to how to talk. first just said Paul. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, I just, yeah, since I've taken the the obvious. I can't, I can't talk. No matter what I say, I'm going to look like a a, a heathen, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I might as well embrace the the borderline heresy and say, Origin of Alexandria.
2: Oh.
4: Absolutely. He was brilliant. Uh, He was saturated in the scriptures, but he was also devoted to the pursuit of God with his heart and his mind, and I think I could just learn so much from him. He'd be so fascinating to talk to, and he had such an impact on the later Eastern theological tradition. Still not as good as Jesus, I would say. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs)
2: This is a competition, Ryan.
4: Wrong answer.
3: Um,
2: Like to meet with God? Anyone want to compete with
3: that? I'm the I'm the only one that wants to meet with Jesus on this podcast.
4: (laughs) Origin would agree with you, Ryan.
1: Well, I want to meet with the mother,
2: (laughs) you know. So fair enough. Fair enough.
1: How about if we move on to one last round of questions? Uh, this time about our involvement in the show. Um, so, Beth, how did you get involved in Bridging Theology? What does this podcast um, matter to you?
2: Yeah. So, I I ch- was trying to remember exactly how all of this started, but I I'm pretty sure it came out of a conversation um, that I was having with Kevin. Um, so. Kevin and I I don't remember how we got in touch with each other but Kevin realized that we were both theologians both in the same city um both cared a lot about how do we connect to theology to the church and we started having this really thoughtful conversation um about you know what would it look like to have a podcast that did that kind of work um and I think initially too we were having some conversations just about like how would the two of us connect to do stuff together, which was also really cool. Um, But that was, as I remember it, that's how we got, I got involved in it. Um, And the podcast matters to me. Actually, I was just talking to a friend at lunch today about why this podcast matters to me. So a few different things, I think, at the heart of my calling is a real desire to share the things that I've learned and the things I'm learning from others with the church with people with um people in the pews or in the you know uh well, I don't know what words we would say but like people in congregations just the uh, the everyday christian um and feeling like there's not that many ways that we can share um and i wanted to share kind of the big picture of what God is doing, um, in terms of internationally and across disciplines and across different traditions. Um, and that, so I was so excited for our podcast to have that kind of reach and grasp. Um, and yeah, so I'm excited and, and the people we've been interviewing have thus far, I know this is the first time people are hearing this, but we've already been interviewing people and it's been so profound. I've gone away from the interviews feeling, just so excited um, about, you know, if only if the five of us ever hear this, I'll still be excited because it was, it's been such a beautiful experience. So what about you, Candace?
0: Yeah. So um, I think it was a conversation that you and I were having and you were telling me about um, the podcast and it, it was really interesting and it sounded like something um, that I wanted to do and I've been looking to do podcasting um for a while um but this particular one my story I guess is a little bit similar to yours um I'm a fourth generation well I was raised as a fourth generation Pentecostal um and there's historically within my tradition just kind of a disconnect between the church and the academy um and I have been very intentional um about just my commitment to um, bringing the skills that I learned, the the tools um, from my theological studies back into the congregation. So just making sure that I'm a resource and can kind of empower and also help others who may take up that journey to kind of bridge that gap. Um, so I think that the podcast was perfect, not just for my tradition, but even for others. Um, and kind of like what you said, it's been amazing to hear the the journeys um, and the research of so many others. Um, and it's making theology more accessible. Like I always say the university or the Academy should make sure that they're impacting the communities around them. So I think this is one way that we're helping to do that. Um, What about you, Ryan?
3: Um, I guess kind of going to the surprise theme, I was kind of a surprise. Um, I, some, some of the other podcasters, uh, you all knew each other for a while. I just, I was following Kevin on Twitter, Twitter. Um, I like some of the things that he was saying. And he threw it out there. And I'd been thinking about wanting to do a podcast. I said, I'll just message him. And I'm one thing I didn't mention, I'm a dual citizen. um, So I'm um, yeah Canadian-US citizen. And so I immediately connected with Kevin just around Canada and such some different things. And so I was really, I was interested. And then kind of our team started forming and so it's been really exciting. And then the mission too, I, I definitely am really excited about the mission of what we're doing of being this, we, if we talk a lot about inters, all the different inters that we are and um, we're interdenominational and, 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 and inter, you know, we're really exploring different connections I think on this podcast and trying to connect it to the church. And that's something I'm really passionate about. Like I'm, Try like I mentioned before. I'm teaching a class in my church right now. I really want to be really involved in the church, and so to do something that connects academic theology to the life of the church is really exciting to me. So, um, kind of those that's those two things. So, yeah, Kevin, what about you?
4: Yeah, so I don't work in the academy, and I'd been out of writing and researching for a little while, and I just I really was starting to miss being part of a community of students or scholars, just people who are engaged in trying to love God with their minds. So I started reaching out on Twitter, as you said, Ryan, and some other networks. And the podcast kind of developed from there between conversations with with Beth and with Ryan and then some others. The podcast matters to me because there's often perceived to be a separation between the head and the heart. And I don't think that's actually the case for a lot of people. I know a lot of intellectuals who also have a vivid Christian faith, and I hope that these types of people, when they hear this show and hear experiences uh, from scholars and others about integrating faith and the mind, I hope these kinds of people can be encouraged, encouraged to continue to be true to who God made them, and continue to dig deep intellectually and continue to connect what they're learning to their faith and then live out what they've learned. Um, I know some people, they worship through dancing and, and jubilation or singing. But you can also worship, I think, through through the inner life and through study and reflection. And I think that's okay as well. So, I really hope that we can encourage intellectual Christians of all types to continue to be who God's made them. And I hope that we can also continue to have a um, an awareness of how the Holy Spirit is moving internationally and interdenominationally um, throughout various intellectual communities and throughout various churches. Claudia, what's your story on this? How did you get involved and why does this podcast matter to you?
1: Well, first of all, Kevin, thank you for your words because that—that that is my experience and and that's something that I try to rem, uh, talk with my students and among my students every class. This is not just pure intellectual knowledge, but how can we bridge our knowledge with our faith, with our heart? And so thank you for, for reminding us of that. So I, I was thinking about the beauty of community, the beauty of relationships, everything begin with relationships. I am my relationship. So, so when I was thinking about this answer, I thought about Beth uh, and, 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 and how she was a professor at the university where I was the director of campus ministry. And And at the same time, I was doing my PhD in practical theology. She was a great mentor. And then over time we became great friends and colleagues and, and we got to publish together, and even go to ARs together, and establish traditions in AR, <laughs> all of that. <laughs> so
2: there's a baby Jesus drink that you know we can tell a story about at some point.
1: <laughs> so, so yeah. So, um, so, th- th- so we we became friends, we became colleagues, and then with those friendships and colleagues, you get to work later on. And uh, so I was invited by Beth uh, to to be part of this uh, podcast. And she said, Claudia, this is this great podcast that we're putting together. Uh, uh, so, so as a Catholic practical theologian, uh, my work always sat in the margins between the church and the academy in light of my experience. And I say in the margins because I am a woman in the church. I am a woman in the academy. So a woman in the margins of those two worlds. So I think it is important to continue opening spaces where where those two publics of theology encounter, uh, and, I, I, and I don't say the bridge, but encounter, like a culture of encounter. Pope Francis talks about a culture of encounter, encuentro. You know, it is important to reflect of how much the lived experiences of our faith communities inform our theological thinking and how much our theology converses with what happens at the core of our communities of faith. And uh, so I I am excited about this opportunity. Uh, I'm excited, as Abed said, about those conversations, critical conversations that have made us also think about new uh, ways of dialogue and interdisciplinary dialogue that will inform ultimately our communities and The three of them, uh, the, the church, the academy, and the society. So, yeah, thank
2: you. Something I love about that, Claudia, and I think that we might all say this, one of the gifts of doing this so far has been building relationship. And so some of us have, like Candice and Claudia and I all know each other for years. I think we're almost at a decade mm-hmm. now, actually, of relationship yeah. with each other, which is really exciting. But it's been so beautiful, actually, to get to all get to know each other, like getting the times mm-hmm. when I get to spend time with Ryan with and with Kevin and like well, mm-hmm. all of us, I think, inter have been talking about how meaningful it is to get to know each other as part of this process. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't say that, but I actually think that's part of why the podcast matters to me as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I can imagine that's probably true for some of you guys too.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've enjoyed sharing with you about who we are and why bridging theology matters to us. And we
2: hope that you'll join us in our future podcasts as we interview theologians who represent Broadly different theological traditions and disciplines and diverse locations across the globe. Um, and all of these, all of these different theologians we're interviewing, they all want to be part of how we bridge theology. And so we hope you'll you'll be with us through that.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit our website at bridgentheology.com. And if you'd like to support the show, please subscribe to it in your podcast player, rate it or share it with others. This episode was produced by Kevin Hill.